Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning. How are you guys doing? Oh, it's good to see you. It's good to see your faces. Um, it's good to hang out with you guys this morning. Um, this, uh, we've been going ever since uh, the beginning of the, of the new ministry year. We've been going through a series called Up to Code. And we've been talking about what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. We've been talking about discipleship. And if you're, if you're like me, as uh, the messages have been preached and as we've read God's word, there's been a stirring in our hearts to, to want to be true disciples of Jesus Christ. Now, one thing I love about the Bible is that it's very honest and very straight up. That there's nothing hidden behind anything. This is straight up how it is. And the text that we're going to be reading this morning is very much in your face and clear. What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? You know, we don't get a lot of honesty. We don't get a lot of honest ads, right? It's that season where everyone is calling everyone else a liar, right? It's a season where you're trying to think, what is the honest truth? What does that look like? But then Nebraska, anyone from Nebraska here? Anyone? Nebraska, yay. Nebraska, woo! Okay, Nebraska, Praise God for your honesty. They changed, the Tourism Commission of Nebraska changed their tagline to the most honest tagline ever. This is a true story. Nebraska's tagline now is Nebraska, honestly, it's not for everyone. (laughs) 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 I love that because everyone who I've ever met from Nebraska was trying to communicate that with me without saying that, you know. They were trying to say, I I don't know if it's going to be for you, Rob. But the reality is we don't see a lot of honesty. We don't see it, right? We we live in, in, in a place and in a world where every advertisement that we see is trying to get us in but not telling us the honest truth. And we see here in this passage that we're going to read here today that Jesus says, if you want to be, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, must take up their cross daily and follow me. We see that Jesus says this straight up. And this morning, if I were to ask you this question, what makes you a disciple of Jesus Christ? If I was to ask you that, maybe we can think about that for a second. What makes you a disciple of Jesus Christ? You know what, every other one of my identities, I can tell you in a second why I am that thing. I can say, hey, I'm Zimbabwean because I was born in Zimbabwe. Easy. I'm a husband because I fell in love with a girl and in front of hundreds of people, I made a vow and and committed to her and said, I will be your husband. I know it's simple and straightforward. I'm a father because five years ago, we had a little bit of red wine and a boys to men playlist and then bam, something happened. You know what? I I can point back to something and this is particularly, I'm so sorry because my dad's here. But, But the reality, but the reality is this, is that, There are things that we can point back to and we know exactly why we are that thing. But what about a disciple of Jesus Christ? What makes you a disciple? So we're going to look here and we're going to find in, if you have your Bibles, we're going to find here in Luke chapter 9. What Jesus says it means to be a disciple. He says this is the cost of discipleship. Church, the title of my sermon this morning is Disciples in Air Quotes. Because the reality is that We can go around saying we're disciples, but Jesus says this is the cost of discipleship. 
So let's read that. Turn Luke chapter 9. We're going to start in verse 18. Once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were, were with him, he asked them, who do the crowds say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. But what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? Peter answered, God's Messiah. Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. And he said, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. And he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And we pray that it wouldn't just be words. Lord, that it would be life to us. I pray for each and every heart in this room, those who are near and those who are far from you. Lord, prepare our hearts to be fertile ground to receive this word. Lord, equip us, help us, lead us to be true disciples. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so we read those words, and there's no skipping around them, right? Sometimes we read the Bible, and it is so honest that we almost feel like Jesus needs some PR guys. We feel like we need to step in, and we say, hey, Jesus, don't say whoever. That's everyone. Maybe say some of you. Don't say must. That word's too absolute. Say may have to. We look at this passage of scripture and we, we wrestle with the absolute truth that says there's a do, there's an action to this. And Jesus is saying whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. The context of this comes from, and Jesus is saying this, not, you know, if you put yourself in the disciples' shoes, this is what has just happened. Jesus was, was teaching in Bethsaida and crowds were gathering, crowds were following Jesus. You know, Jesus was, a, was the man at that moment. People were like, where's Jesus at? And they would follow him. And it says in the Bible here that, that, that whoever was, was in need of healing was healed. And Jesus, he taught about the, the kingdom of God and, and all these amazing things are happening. And then the crowd has overstayed. And the disciples notice this and say, Jesus, these guys, they're going to starve, man. They're, gonna get, they're getting hungry and they're going to get hangry. And we don't want to be the ones who, who are going to pay for that. And so, 
And so Jesus says, Jesus performs a miracle. 5,000. Five loaves, two fish, bam, bam, groups of 50. And everyone's fed and there are 12 baskets remaining. And it's like amazing. I'm pretty sure the crowds are like, Jesus is awesome. And so Jesus then turns to his disciples in private. He goes away with just the disciples and he says, who do the crowd say I am? What's the word on the streets? And the disciples start to shout. I mean, it must be a, a fiasco. Like the disciples are like, some say you're John the Baptist. I don't know how I picture the disciples, but you know, I've watched all the Jesus movies, so I just picture them like those dudes. But they're shouting out these answers. Some say you're Elijah, and they all have British accents, right? It's like, ugh, doesn't make sense. Some say you're Elijah. And I'm like, what? Okay, 2,000 years ago, not quite. But the reality is they're shouting out all these answers, and it must be a party. And then Jesus says, who do you say I am? Well, what about you? And what I imagine is Jesus is referring to the people who do not have a relationship with him, the people who've just experienced him, the people who see him from afar. He says, well, who do they say I am? And then Jesus comes back and he says, what about you guys, the ones with the relationship with me? And I think in that moment there must have been, because we find here that there's one answer. Before then, there are multiple answers. And then there's this one answer, and I know we've all been in that situation. Where you're not sure if it's a trick question. Right? You could be in a, in a Bible study, and, and whoever's leading the Bible study, they've studied that stuff for a week. And then they say, What's the meaning of worthy? And you're like, I don't know. And we're all looking at each other. And if you've ever been a pastor in that room, everyone here knows this. The whole room just goes, Zoom. And they look at you. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm a pastor, right? Not, not the Bible app. I don't know. But the reality is we've all had that. And maybe you haven't had that moment, but surely if you're married in this room, husbands, can I get an amen? Your wife has walked in and said, what's different about me? <laughs> and there's silence. I know this might be a trick question. When in doubt, I always say here. I'm usually wrong. <laughs> but the reality is that there's this question that is asked to the disciples. And the disciples all had answers before, but you know what? If you read your Bible, you know Peter doesn't get much right. You know Peter's always the brunt of the jokes. But here, Peter gets this one. You're God's Messiah. You're God's Messiah. You're the son of the living God. You see, the revelation of who Jesus really is doesn't come from just experiencing him from a distance. Here's another truth. The revelation of who Jesus really is doesn't actually truly come from you just experiencing him do some stuff around you. These guys, they had just eaten a meal that had been miraculously provided and they would say Jesus was everyone but God. Maybe Elijah, maybe a prophet, but the ones who were in relationship with Jesus and were close to him, this was revealed to them. You're the son of God. You're God's Messiah. Church, we say it every week. You come in here, don't leave the same. You come in here, don't leave the same. And our hope is not saying, come and experience Jesus from a distance. Our invitation is, come and have a relationship with Jesus. That is what is going to transform you. So I have three things to say this morning. That was just the intro. I have three things to say. <laughs> and the three things are all around Denial. The three things are all about denying ourselves. 
The first thing is deny your old self. The second thing I want to say is deny your flesh. And the third thing is deny your pride. Now these three denials are not absolute. You might find another 20. But these are the three that I feel the Holy Spirit has led me to share this morning. And so the first one is to deny ourselves. Deny your old self. Deny your old self. Jesus says, whoever wants to be my disciple, there's a word there, wants. We have got to want to be Jesus' disciples. We've got to want to be disciples. So Jesus says, whoever wants this. And we see here, once, once, once Simon gets this, once he gets this revelation, he's forever changed. He's forever changed. In fact, in Matthew's account, you'll find that when, when Simon says this, Jesus says this to, to Peter. He says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And then he says, I will now, he gives him a name change. I now call you Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And then he says, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. Jesus, on this revelation, on this foundation, on this, on this encounter, Peter goes from being called Simon, which is God hears, and he goes to being called Peter, the rock. What an awesome name change, the rock. And Peter has a transformation in that moment that we've all had in this room if we say we're followers of Jesus Christ. We have had that day of epiphany. And I know for some of us, we're like, I don't quite remember how it happened. I don't quite remember the exact date. But I can tell you that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have had a day where you did not see Jesus as the son of God. And then there's something that happened. The day of epiphany. We've all had it. You know, I don't, I don't remember the exact date. I remember, I, I decided that girls are not icky, but I know the moment happened. For, for most of us, we know that that's a truth. I have two daughters, I have a four-year-old. So I don't know when it happens for girls because my four-year-old has already named her kids and has already planned a wedding. So I don't know <laughs> about girls. But for guys, I know it takes us a little longer to get to that point. Guys, we're still figuring out. We're still figuring out. We're a little slow, right? We're figuring things out. And maybe it's fifth grade. For me, it was fifth grade. And we're playing tag during recess. And we're running around and I'm running around and all of a sudden uh, my heart sends a message to my brain and says, stop running so fast, you idiot. We want Stacy to catch us. <laughs> and so I slow down a little bit and I slow down, but still Stacy can't catch me. So I fake an injury. <laughs> and as I fake that injury and as Stacy puts a hand on my shoulder and says, tag your it. Everything slows down, the air is crisper, the sky is bluer. <laughs> Take my breath away is playing in the background. <laughs> Doves flying. It's, and from that day, it's never the same. Girls are not icky, they're beautiful creatures from that moment. And I may not remember the exact day, but I know that moment happened. And listen, let me tell you, if you're a Christian in this room, you have had that day happen to you where Jesus revealed himself and he was, he was no longer just a, a page, words on a page. He was now beautiful. He was tangible. Everything was different. Your world was starting to change. We've all had that day and Peter has that day. 
that day of revelation. And maybe you're in this room and you haven't had that day. I tell you, that's our prayer. That's what our doors, that's why we exist. So that you can see the beauty of Jesus Christ. And it's not revealed to you because some pastor came up here and preached a sermon. It's not revealed by flesh and blood. It is revealed to you by Jesus' Father in heaven. And he reveals to you, this is who Jesus is. He's beautiful. He's amazing. And your world changes. I can't assume Christianity, church. I can't say just because you're sitting in these seats, you have the first step of what it means to be a disciple. Because there are people who believe that they're Christians because they were born in Texas. The reality is that, (laughs) the reality is that the first step to being a disciple is relinquishing the reins of your life and saying, Jesus, you are now the master. I am no longer king of my castle, you are. That's the first step to discipleship. My life is yours. It's the first denial, our old self. In Romans, it it, it says this in Romans, it says, for we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Jesus says this later in this passage. He says, whoever loses his life will save it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. But whoever keeps his life will lose it. Jesus says, the first step is saying, Jesus, my life is yours. Denial of of the old self. Denial of the old self. We find the second thing here is that we must deny our flesh. And we're looking at this passage of scripture and I want to remind us this. Jesus tells his disciples, don't tell anyone. But Jesus actually shows them the doorway. He shows them how we can partake of that life as well. He tells them that, listen guys, I'm going to have to suffer. I'm going to have to get rejected by the elders. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to die And then I will be raised back to life after three days. And he says, that's how we get in. That's how we get access to that first step. Discipleship. True disciples. And then out of that, out of all of that, out of all of that goodness, because we can look at Jesus saying, if you want to be my disciple, you must deny yourself. And you can say, that's too great a price. But for the disciples, remember, Jesus is saying this in the aftermath of a miracle, supernatural provision. And then Jesus says, I'm going to die and come back to life. And I'm just asking you to do this thing. Deny yourself. It is in the wake of hearing that Jesus is going, look at everything I've given you. I just want you to give up this thing. So when we deny the flesh, church, What I mean by that is we must deny the pursuit of the worldly standard of success, the rat race. Chase, chase, chase. I must climb the corporate ladder and become this guy and that is your ultimate goal. No, Jesus must be your ultimate goal. Material possessions. I must gain, get more, get more. I must amass things, build bigger bonds to store my riches and not be generous. You have got to deny that life and Jesus has got to be first. We're all being called to that church. 
Because if we're open and we're saying my life is yours, guess what's going to happen? Jesus is going to test that. We can't sing these songs all the time and expect we're going to walk out there. And Jesus goes, yeah, you're off the hook. You know what? You, you just spend your life on yourself. But these other guys, he's going to call to question. We sing the words. He's going to call those things and say, are you my disciple? Have you denied yourself? We must deny the flesh. So I'll say this, church. I have a story to share. I don't share this story to make much of myself. I hope it, makes, it doesn't make much of me at all. But I remember... About a year ago, I got a call. And it's a call that you want to get. I got a call from my old church, the church I worked for in Zimbabwe. And they said, hey, Rob, we, we just went through our records and, and, and our statements, and we realized we owe you money. It's the best phone call in the world. We owe you money. Oh, my. And it wasn't like a little bit of money. It was a significant amount. It was a significant amount. It was worth two months' wages here. And I was like, what? You know, by the end of that call, if you're like me, I'd already planned my holiday. I'd already, I was already in Laguna Beach by the pool with my wife. We're chilling. We're like, what? God, you love us. You love us. And here's the thing that happened after that. A little error there. I went and I prayed. And God said to me, Holy Spirit revealed in my heart, Rob, I want you to give the money away. No. No, no, no. I'm like, Jesus, you know. We're from Africa. It's snowing every day. Lord, you know we need to be in the sun in California. You know our hearts. You know the desires of our hearts, Lord. We cannot stay here. I was like, give it away. Give it away. I did what husbands do in that situation. I, I thought, okay, there's no way my wife will go for this. So I went to my wife. I said, hey, Lisa. I feel, you know, that money <laughs> we were happy about. You know that money we planned for. Hey, I, I feel the Lord telling us to give it away. And my wife goes, yeah, if you're feeling that, I think we should do that. I'm like, no. <laughs> no, no, no. Don't go off script. Adam and Eve, remember. <laughs> you're supposed to say, Rob, let's spend the money. And I'm supposed to go to God and say, that woman that you gave me <laughs> made me do it. <laughs> but no, it wasn't working. And God was like, and the Holy Spirit just reminded me in my heart, you didn't have this money. You didn't have this money last week. Rob, I just showed you this money so that you can be a steward to the person who really needs it. And so the story usually would go this way. And then the next day, we gave the money. No, I kept praying for months. <laughs> that money was just sitting there and I was like, oh, are you sure, Jesus? <laughs> Today is a different day. In fact, my heart, if I'm honest, I was like, maybe someone else will meet that need before I have to. <laughs> but you know what? Something happened in my heart over that. Praying, God changed my heart, showed me that truth, that I was just a steward. And if I truly have denied myself, then I can be. I can be a steward of this money to this person. And then there was all of a sudden in my heart, the right thing to do is to do that. Lord, I want to honor you. Lord, I want to live a life that honors you. Hey, we want to do this. And, and we gave the money. And you know, somewhere in there, the flesh always creeps up, right? I'm like, well, at least the person will be so thankful that I'll get joy from that. Nope. They said, thank you, like I gave them a donut. There was nothing, <laughs> was, there, was, there was nothing for my flesh to hold on to to have a little bit of gratification. Awesome. And the reason why I tell this story, church, is this. 
you know the people that knew the call to obedience to that money. My wife and I and the Lord. No one else knew. I could have disobeyed God and no one would have questioned me. No one would have said, Rob, I feel like you're not doing what you're supposed to do. In fact, some people may have said, yeah, you deserve a break. Here's the thing. There are things that the Lord is calling you to deny that only you know. In fact, there are things the Lord is calling you to deny yourself that are not, that are not sinful. But the fact that the Bible says that if you know what you ought to do and do not do it, that is sin. It's not always obvious. I share the story to say this, you know, because usually it ends with, and then the Lord gave us a free holiday, <laughs> which he did. <laughs> he gave us a free But the reality is that that's not why we do that. The reality is we don't do that because God is going to do something for us. We say our lives are yours, everything I have is yours because of what he's already done. Lord, of course, after everything you've done for me, I'll be a steward. And so Jesus calls us to deny our flesh. Calls us to deny our flesh. In Galatians it says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. That is the drive of the quest of this rat race, the corporate ladder, material possessions, because our neighbors envy. They have this, we should get it. And it's fueling our hearts. It's fueling our hearts. So church, we have to check our hearts. We have to deny the flesh. Are there people watching? Our Lord put this on my heart. What the heart values will, will rise to the surface. The treasure of our heart is what we will follow. And we're leading people, church, whether we like to think it or not. We're leading our families, we're leading our kids, we're leading our communities. We don't know. What we value is what will rise to the surface. Our young adult pastor used to be a youth pastor. I used to check a lot of kids saying the inconsistencies and what my parents say, what they value actually comes out. I've never missed a single lacrosse game. I've missed church many times. What they value is elevated. The things of this world are greater than the things of God. Church, we make terrible gods. We can't afford to be the center of our own universes. We have to let Jesus be. And the third thing is deny our pride. Deny our pride. Our right to be right. Our right to be right. Philippians 2, 3 to 5 says this, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Church, in our relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Value others above yourself. Deny yourself so much so that you value others above yourself. Church, this is not a natural thing that we do. This is not our default setting. If I took a picture of this room and I posted it on Facebook, who would you look for first? Praise God if you're like, I just want to see if Rob looked cool. 
praise God, you're thinking of me, thank you. But the reality is all of us would check if there was something on our faces or what your hair looked like. You're checking for yourself. I love that Bob said this a few weeks ago. He said, you don't have to think about loving yourself. You already do. You consider yourself. And the Bible says we should not consider ourselves. We should look to the interests of others. That is radical. If you live like that, that would transform your world. And church, some of us this morning, myself included, I preached this twice, so I've already repented twice, and I know I need to keep going. (laughs) The pursuit of being right has destroyed our opportunity and our privilege to be light to people. Our need to have it our way or the highway, pride, so foolish, has destroyed the opportunity to lead people to this awesome, beautiful thing that we experience in Christ. I need to be right. Some of us in this room, we have people we know we need to repent to because we just wanted to be right on Facebook. So in our comment section, we destroyed the opportunity to preach the gospel to someone who doesn't know Jesus because we wanted to be right. As though that is something that we should elevate. Church, I'm talking to myself. There are people how we need to say, hey, That's not the heart of Christ. I know I'm a Christian, but I I misrepresented him, and I repent. I repent. Our right to be right leads us to just be consumers. You know, there's nothing in this world that's calling you to deny yourself. Nothing. Everything is saying, indulge more. Maybe Weight Watchers, but other than that, everything else is saying, more, more, more. And yet this passage is saying, less of you, less of your opinion, less of you, more of me. We value others above ourselves. And you ask the question that I ask, Lord, how many times can I be gracious, really? People are testing my sanctification. How many times am I going to be kind to someone who's offended me? How many times am I going to let that fly by and lovingly tell them and share the truth of the gospel with them? How many times am I not going to be offended? And the truth is, Jesus says, if you want to be my disciple, whoever, which means all of us, you must take up your cross daily, every day. Church, it's easy for me to tell you a story about me denying myself a year ago. It's easy. I can tell you that there are many stories I could have told you after that day where I said, nope, and I'm not going to do it. Daily. Tomorrow, he's going to ask you to do something else. And the next day, he's going to ask you to do something else. And we take that on daily. We say, Lord, help me. Now, sometimes we do two good things and we feel like we're Hudson Taylor. We're like, yes, I've done it, Mother Teresa. (laughs) And the truth is, daily. How many times? Daily. How many times? Daily. Every day we wake up. Lord, show me where I need to deny myself. I'm yours. The praise is yours. The glory is yours. We take up our cross daily. 
Church, we need to fight back. You know, when Bob was talking about we must be wise as serpents. Church, we must fight back to, to get into those places that we have been shut out of. And we need wisdom. And we need to lay down our right. The Bible says, what is the mindset of Christ? Who being in very nature God. Take that in. Who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. You know what that means, church? When the Pharisees were about to stone the woman in adultery, do you know who knew all the Pharisees' sins? Jesus. Do you know who could have stood up there and said, wait a minute, before we do this, Yo, let me tell you, Nicodemus, this is what you did last night. This is how you've been living for the last month. But Jesus was like, nah, there's something bigger here. I came to make things right. I came to make things, I got a bigger mission than calling out Nicodemus for his status update. I came to make things right. It's like that's the mindset of Christ with one another church. We must be like that. Don't consider yourself. This afternoon I pray and when you're about to do something, I pray the first thing that comes to your mind is don't consider yourself. Humble yourself. No church, when we do this, we are given the ability to break walls down so that people can see the beauty of Jesus Christ. When we deny ourselves, we then have this opportunity. You know, it says whoever in this passage, whoever wants to be my disciple, that's everyone. But there's another whoever in the Bible and it's in John 3.16 and it says, whoever believes in me will not perish but have everlasting life. For us, the whoever's who are in this room who are trying to be disciples, who are like on that road, on that journey, who need God's grace, who need all of that to become his disciples, we, the whoever's, we need to do and deny ourselves so that those other whoever's can see the beauty of Christ. He died for everyone. And that means, church, this door should be open. And if we're denying ourselves, listen, we're no longer thinking, what kind of church are we becoming? We're thinking, yes, Lord, we want to be the church you want us to be. You bring in whoever. You bring in whoever. Church, we're not fishing with the fishing pole saying we want this person, we're fishers of men, but we, we're specifically targeting. No, we cast a net, and if you've ever fished with a net, you know you get what you get, and you bring it up, and you say you're welcome, whoever. You're welcome here, whoever. For some of us in this room, you have been rejected. You are, you're like, I don't fit into that whoever. Let me tell you, this is the place where whoever is welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. Whoever. Whoever. You know, church, I, I, I thought to myself, because I think the world does this, and the world cannot do this better than the church, I thought of a business in and around this area where I do not fit the demographic of their customers. Their clientele does not include someone like me. And so I phoned. I picked up the phone and asked. And what I did was I... I I booked an appointment at a tanning salon. I said, okay, bam, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try this out. Let me see if they, if they push me away. I've got money, I'll, I'll pay. And I said, hey, the promise on your website says that in five minutes you can, you'll make me three shades darker. That's what I'm going for, let's go. <laughs> and the reality is as hilarious as you think that conversation is, just 
take it up another notch. It was that funny. I was just laughing the whole time in my head. But the reality is this. They didn't reject me. They said, come. They said, we have a bed for you. If you have money, we have a bed for you. We don't know about the, the shades, but we have a bed for you. And church, they're in the business of tanning and they'll take me. We're in the business of transformation. Whoever comes has a place here. Whoever comes qualifies. Whoever comes is who we are meant to. This is why we exist, church. And maybe you're in this room and this maybe doesn't speak to you, but maybe this does. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of, of riches, that's got a hold on your heart, the pursuit of happiness, the American dream, whatever it is that you're chasing, whatever treadmill you're on right now. Maybe you look at that list and you're like, Rob, I, I am not denying myself. You know what, Rob? I am the disciple in air quotes for sure. And your heart, something is stirring in your heart right now. My prayer for you is that you, you, you say, yes, Jesus, I want to be free. I truly want to be a disciple. I don't want to just look like a disciple. I want to be a disciple. Help me, Lord, to be that. You know, I'm from Africa and... And right in our neighboring country in Botswana, there's the people who are called the San. And the San, when they hunt for, for monkeys, you may have heard this before, they, they make a little hole in the side of an anthill and they put food in there. And they put a little trail of food and the monkey goes and, and follows this trail and the, the opening is just enough for its hand to go in and grab the food, but it cannot come out with the fist. It cannot come out as a fist, so it, it tries to grab the food. And here's the thing. They say monkeys are greedy, so what happens is they hold on to the food. They can see the hunter coming to catch them, and they will not. All they have to do is let go, and they're free. But they hold on. They hold on. Whoever wants to save this life. And you know, the story doesn't end there, because when they're caught, the hunter doesn't beat the monkey, doesn't abuse the monkey, doesn't do anything. He ties the monkey to a tree. That's the only thing. Ties the monkey to, the, to a tree and gives it all the food it can eat. Here you go. Here you go. And the monkey eats and gets comfortable. Dependent on the hunter to bring food. But tied to a tree. Until that chain, until it's okay with that chain. And church, I don't want to say this. Some of you are not suffering. Some of you are not going, oh, this is a wrestle with my heart. Some of you are comfortable, but you are shackled to a tree. You're shackled to a tree. And you're dependent on the things of this world to be your sufficiency. This is the thing. You hope those material things, those successes. But you know, the hunter is not fattening up the monkey for fun. There comes a day where the hunter cuts that chain and says, you are now a meal to be devoured. Not everyone who has stuff is suffering, I know that, but they're shackled to a tree. Church, this morning, if we have been given the keys to the kingdom of heaven to bind on earth and it will be bound in heaven, to loose on earth, it will be loosed in heaven. This morning, my prayer is that you will be set free that you will no longer be bound, that you would be free. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you for who you are. We thank you, Lord, that... 
Father, that this, this message, Lord, this message that would, would do a work in our hearts with you, but more importantly, Lord, that we would read this over and over again this week. And Father, that our hearts wouldn't want the things of this world, that our hearts wouldn't long for the things of this world, but rather, Father, you would be the ultimate thing that we want. We would want to be disciples more than anything. Father, I pray that people who have been bound for decades to the cares of this world, to the deceitfulness of riches, Lord, that they'll be set free. I pray for those who have felt that they aren't enough, that they're not worthy. That this morning, Lord, they would see that you say whoever, whoever believes in you, whoever. Lord Jesus, I pray they would see your beauty for the first time this morning. That that day of epiphany would be today. In Jesus' name, amen.